evening, Patriots, and we're back. It's Wednesday, April 27th in the year 2022. And I was actually up at the property today. This is about 40 minutes, 50 minutes away. And I did the previous show. And so I'm back now and settled into the studio and ready to talk about a few things tonight. I think we're going to talk a little bit about what's coming together for Bards Fest and how that's going to look. I also want to talk about funding and fundraising on different perspectives rather than throwing money at politics and how we can make our real dollars count. So before we begin tonight, make sure that you're taking care of your immune system. That's a big deal. And our immune system has to stay strong. We are surrounded by the stresses and the environmental issues that are challenging our immune systems. And keeping our immune systems strong is essential to maintaining a strong position in this fight. Expedition Coffee was designed specifically to not only give you that energy boost you need that will sustain you across the entire day, while boosting your immune system and help maintain a mental focus throughout the day. You can find Expedition Coffee, X-P-E-D, Expedition Coffee at expeditioncoffee.com. And there you'll also find a full range of products that are designed to work as a full health ecosystem, all designed to reclaim your personal health sovereignty. Those products include the Gut Health Triad, which helps heal and seal your gut. Leaky gut is one of the critical causes of sickness in our nation. You also have Immune XP, which is an immune booster based on pine cone extract with high levels of vitamin C. Earth, which is a nutrient powder, giving your body a full complement of nutrients you need. Just mix it with water, drink it like a shake. Do that once a day. And Pure 47, one of the most refined silver extracts on the market that can isolate most of the pathogens that you'll encounter. The products on ExpeditionCoffee.com are all designed to give you back the strength in your immune system to not only endure the challenges to the immune system, but to dominate and to rise above to reclaim your true health sovereignty. So check out Expedition, X-P-E-D, ExpeditionCoffee.com. Okay, so what I want to start with tonight, and we're just going to kind of have a conversation tonight and at the center of all of this is what we this show fishers of men has always been that kind of evening wind down the day and it has always been that point of reflecting on scripture and so tonight i'm just going to put this out that we this whole show is about the centerpiece of god and i'm going to walk through a few things that we're faced with, and I'm, you're going to hear me talk a lot about this in the coming week, but I want to tee it up tonight. And as I kind of started the day today, which was really put on my heart, to focus on the local war. I mean, this is where we are fighting, right? And so when we start to look at a couple of big things, we have to look at the narrative shift that's been happening, what's at the core of the narrative shift, and how are we going to make impacts? To begin with, we've got Ukraine, and Ukraine is just, (laughs) sometimes my old world comes back and I want to go, but I'm not going to do that tonight, because we still have family programming. Ukraine is the land of the stupid, because it's a narrative that has completely been built to take people's eyes off the critical things that are starting to unravel. At the core of all the unraveling is the U.S. dollar. It is collapsing. 
And so you need the biggest diversion you can possibly great build, which is Ukraine, and you need that diversion massively to get even people believing in nuclear war so no one looks. And I just want you to hear this piece. It's about two minutes, and I think it does a good job of kind of unraveling kind of the deceitfulness of what we're dealing with our media. And it's going to start out with a discussion of Syria. We debunked the gas attacks in Syria at this show. The New York Times was telling you the exact opposite. They were assuring you that their scientists, they had created virtually, they imagined a crime scene, and they created it digitally, and they told you that the gas attack came from Assad, and it was definitely for real. Well, it turns out that was all made up, and the New York Times is never going to apologize for that, and uh, that's how it goes. So now people are using more New York Times to validate war crimes in the Ukraine war. Now, we know that the first casualty in any war is the truth, and that war crimes are usually committed on both sides. So right now, here's Ali Veshi, who's been screaming for us to go to actual war, the United States soldiers to go into Ukraine and fight Russia. That's why he has a job at MSNBC. If he didn't have that opinion, they would fire him and he would be doing a YouTube show. If he was against the war, they would fire him. There is nobody on any of the networks except Tucker Carlson who will tell you the truth about what's happening in Ukraine. Isn't that interesting? So our Ali Valsi, he tweets out this. He says, this remarkable New York Times investigation, <laughs> remarkable. He's not skeptical at all of the New York Times, even though they've been wrong about everything when it comes to war in my lifetime. He says the remarkable New York Times investigation using satellite imagery disproves the Russian claim amplified by U.S. conspiracy theorists that somehow Ukrainians themselves killed or planted the dead bodies discovered in Bukha. So it's OK to think Russia did it. It's not OK to think someone else did it. That's a conspiracy. Why? Because they don't like it. That theory is a conspiracy, but their theory isn't. I, I'm not saying this is real or not. I'm saying you should always be skeptical of a corporate news outlet that's claiming to report certainty about anything that's happening during a war, especially a war crime that feeds into the propaganda that our government is pushing. Our government is broken, gone. <clears throat> it's not even going to be recoverable. So that's the first thing. Ukraine has been the big illusion. So here we have today. This is the first time this is coming out of Capitol Hill, and it's important to hear this. And this was put posted in the CNS News. And it says, the war in Ukraine will lead to a worldwide famine in the next two years, warned Senator Roger Marshall, Representative of Kentucky, who serves on the U.S. Senate Agriculture Committee, warned on Tuesday. You know I'm a big agriculture guy, he says. 12, 15% of the agriculture products, corn, wheat, sunflower, come through the Black Sea. So the fertilizers come from that area as well. So there actually is going to be a famine one to two years from now. I think two years from now will be even worse. Mornings and anyway. Um, I find all these narratives amazing because... It wasn't too long ago that we were told that we were the breadbasket of the world. It wasn't too long ago that we had energy independence. Like when I say not too long ago, three years ago. But now we're suddenly in a dependency on the Black Sea, which has never been an issue until now. And famine is now becoming a word that they're using. 
because they want a famine. In the meantime, you have this whole engine running up to try to tell you that it's going to be this big red wave come in in September, or I'm sorry, November. And that red wave is already pinging on your door to donate money and to get money into the, into the institutions of politics. So that we're clear, I made a decision quite a while ago that I would not give any more money to any political body. Because it's a waste of time. Now, this is, I'm going to give you some opinions tonight. I'm going to give you my position on a few things. Like all things, when I say my opinion, take it or leave it. But I want you to hear what I have to say, please. Because we have a lot of other, we have a bigger fight going on here that has nothing to do with these idiots running around in ties and talking about red waves, blue waves, whatever. Because each one of them, in one way or another, doesn't seem to be too concerned enough about the vax to stop it, nor are they very concerned about the famine that's going to hit here and in other places of the world. We have some opportunities right now in the coming months to, and through this next year or two as things move on to really focus our attention and to be able to boost up groups and people to help start rebuilding and truly making a breakaway economy. At the center of any breakaway economy has to be food. Technology doesn't fill your stomach. Technology doesn't fill your famine gap. And though it may be an assist to that, I have proven many times that you can do an entire massively productive garden or even farms. I've these farms developed that are completely human-powered without any sort of digital anything, which is actually pretty peaceful. So here's kind of the two parts. One, there's been a lot of questions about Bardsfest, rightfully so. Secondly, there's been a continued push on my part, if you've heard in the shows, the increasing focus on food and small farms. So these two things, I think, can start coming together in a big way. First of all, what I'm seeing as far as Bards Fest is what we're going to be developing over the next month or so are regional Bards Fest. It's what really it's fighting the wars regionally. We have to be conscious of costs of travel. We have to be conscious of regional impacts. And as much as I enjoyed coming together last year as one group, and we will do that again, but this is a time in the middle of a war when these retards that are running this zoo are doing everything they can to pull the rug out from under us, and we need to build regional connectivity. We need the regional strength. And so what we're going to be organizing is regional Bards Fest. So this way people can build connectivity in their regions. But that doesn't mean you can't go to any other region. doesn't mean you can't, if you want to travel all across the country and go to every one of these, uh, good on you, seriously. I'm going to go to a few of them, not just my, not just a region near me. I'm going to go to a few. And every Bards Fest regionally that we do, I'm going to at least be there presently in presence with a tele, tele, 
like video in. That's what I'm trying to say. The, the military word is VTC, video teleconference. So we can use the Chinese platform Zoom or we can use Cloud Hub or whatever we decide to use. The idea is to build tribes. So that's that's the principle of organizing Bart's Fest. And this is why I've been kind of quiet on it. I We talked about having two Bart's Fests, like one on each coast. And then I logistically, my concern remains. And I, I really want to be clear here because every time I say this, and I, I'm just, I'm, I'm not accusing anybody, but I'm going to put this out here so I just nip it in the butt before it even arises. When I start talking about this many times, people will go, oh, you're afraid. I'm, I fear none of this, okay? What I'm trying to do is make it practical for everybody so that we maximize our connectivity and our strength rather than bringing everybody to assemble together in a central point where this way regionally we connect and it's going to reduce costs. We are looking at a dollar that is literally going out of control. We've got inflation screwing up around 20, 22%. We have the buying power dropping equally 20 to 30% and food costs are going up and gas cost isn't getting any cheaper. And the last time I checked, most people aren't enjoying flying. I've given up on flying completely. I drive everywhere now and I'm sure as heck not going to try to put people in that position where they have to make a choice to go to a festival by having to fly alone. So I hope that just kind of frames it for everybody because it's, I believe in what we are building here. And I believe that what we are building is powerful and we want to create the regional hubs so people can go and look, these could be, you could have a festival in every state. I don't care. Well, we're going to encourage it and help it and organize it as much as we can. And we're going to put it on because the idea is for Bards Nation is to bring that together in your regional or local area so that there's that becomes an engine and a strength. Okay, so that's that's the first part. Last year, we did a pretty significant and thanks to all of you, Bards Fest was massively successful because of the donations that were given. So this is the next part of this. Now, you know me pretty well. I don't push donations on this channel. But I am going to direct focus, is the way I would say it, to what I think are really important causes to support. And I'm not, not one of these is going to be political. And this is kind of a commitment. I've been praying on this a lot, and, 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 I, and, and this is what I'm getting, and this is what I want to do. What I want to do is highlight projects, Causes that are really worthy, that are not a 501c3, can't stand it, that are kind of my, are modeling the importance things that are part of the breakaway economy, upholding the values of our love in Jesus and a constitutional republic and a sovereign nation, and, and most importantly, centering on the importance of food and food sovereignty. Those things are essential. So the first one I want to highlight to you is, and I've and you've heard me talk about them this last couple of weeks. I'm going to get them on the show here soon. Is Helios Farms, and yes, it's in my neighborhood. They've got a GoFundMe set up right now. They're in the process of buying their land, 
purchasing their land in a way that it will remain sovereign. And there's a whole model to this that I'm working with Theo and Kira on who own Helios Farms. And there's a whole model I'm working with, which we're going to make available for everybody. Okay, it's a fantastic model of how to create sovereign land. And so this is what we're going to make available. So if you are so inclined, and, I, and I'll talk more about it, but I'm really with, this is a time when I think Bars Nation can be a huge help in helping them hit their first benchmark of fundraising. And they have a go, it's not a GoFundMe, it's a Give, Send, Go, thank goodness. Give, Send, Go set up. But you can find it if you go to Helios Farms, and I'll put the link under tonight's show, and I'll also put the link directly to their Give, Send, Go. If you go to Helios Farms, and you'll see it, just scroll down on the page, it says Donate. It'll be right at the top. Just click on that. It's not under Helios Farms in their Give, Send, Go. So let me see if I can, while we're talking, I'll see if I can find it. Um, but it's, this is a really worthy cause. They are in the process right now of structuring a, a private membership association model that I'm working, I've now been asked to be part of. I'm very honored. They've asked me to kind of join in on some of this with them, full disclosure. And when I say on them, not the not the fundraising thing, just to be able to give ideas. This is kind of in there, and this is completely voluntary. But I'm there's been a tremendous amount of research done to set these projects aside, to build the project so that it is a new farm model. It's producing, they're currently supporting 300 families with milk and eggs every week, and that's raw milk and eggs every week, and then food from pigs, like a meat, twice a year. So this is a tremendous herd share concept. It is, it's a really, and it's a very productive concept, and it's a very cash positive model, which we need because small farms have been getting slaughtered. I was working on a, lived on a farm for two years from 2017 to 2019, and it's nearly impossible for a farmer to make ends meet these days. Most farms succeed because someone has a separate job. Helios Farms has been able to make ends meet by building a model based completely on health. No vaccines anywhere on that farm. I mentioned it before. You cannot get on the farm if you've been vaccinated. The other primal rule is Jesus is king. That is literally in the bylaws. And so they have built a model that is building healthy food, super healthy food, back to the concept and of the garden, literally, like creating a whole natural biome where everything is connected and parted together. And it's, it's a wonderful place. And I, if you get a chance to visit there, I would encourage it. So I'm going to just direct you to Helios, H-E-L-I-O-S, farms.com. And right on the front page, it'll say contribute. And they've got some opportunities there. And if you feel like giving to the Give, Send, Go, I will tell you, we give. I, I give a lot as much as I can. I cannot stand giving to politics. And there's going to be all this door knocking about, well, we need money to run the campaign. I'm like, no, you don't. I don't I'm not giving it because nothing has changed there. And it's not changing the dynamic of the United States. 
this changes the dynamic because we start to get a farm that's away from bank ownership. We get a farm that has now been already producing great product. And we're, and this is where, as I will extend these opportunities for people to be part of, we're going to do this around the country and identify other ones. It has to be this. I, to me, this is how we make an impact. This is part of fighting nationally and fighting regionally at the same time. We need to support and create a network of this across the country where we have solid outposts of great farming, small farms that are helping and providing food for many people. And that's part of us breaking away. You know, one of the key things, and so I'm going to say this, and it's not just a farm, because I'm not just going to pick a farm and go, oh, well, you're struggling. We have to get farmers back to being connected to the land and they've got to get rid of the reliance on petrochemicals and they have to get rid of the reliance on big pharma. So let me give you an idea how this works. A cattle, a person who raises cattle, and I don't know if you know this or not, but if the person who raises cattle cannot auction off their cattle if their cattle are not vaccinated. So if they go through the normal system They would have to they have to vaccinate their cattle to get them to auction or to send them to a feedlot. Okay. And it's and now almost all the vaccines that are coming out are including mRNA. So I want you to think about the food that you're eating and how important this is. We have to reset a revolution in this nation to where we start being able to build up strongholds of farms that are doing it right so that we can then use those as a basis to teach other farmers how it's done right. Let me just show you how successful that simple model is. Today I had a meeting on the property that we will eventually declare as it is, but I mean we're building the the plan out for what is essentially Bars Nation headquarters. A, A young man that has been running cattle since he's 15 years old, he's about 27 now, he's going to put... He's going to be running the cattle on that property. He's always had to have his cattle injected. He has a wife and two children, and those two children and his wife aren't, have refused to take the injection, he included. He wants the same for his animals, but he hasn't been able to find an avenue to do that. So the four of us had a meeting today. And we mapped out a plan for him through this year and to next year so that he can now no longer have to inject his cattle. He's going to raise a new herd on the on this 80 acres we have up there. And then he will be a feeder for this new model that Helios Farms is building so that they have a new an additional source of meat. So all of this takes a lot of coordination. And it's going to take us as Americans to support these farms across the nation to help them stand up so that we get some beacons, if you will. I'm just, it's just like, you know, the light on the lamp on the hill. We need to have these so that we can make sure that they're successful, help their, help their fundraising campaigns, help them get their farms going. 
and I'm big on this, even if we're not directly receiving food back or something, because look, I mean, we all know if we give donations to a charity, we're giving donations to a political campaign. I don't even want to get into the charity thing because I think we all know how that goes. Somewhere along the way, somebody's scraping off a whole lot of money. And too often, charities end up in the wrong side, like child sex trafficking or something horrible. And politicians, well, what can I say? That word, that should, that word should be banned. There, you want to ban a word? Ban a politician. There's a good one. Man, I'll tell you, that, that, if I say politicians, everybody should start, like, literally people should start praying. They're like, please, Scott, don't, don't swear on the show. God won't forgive you. <laughs> it's like, I know, Father. I, I said politician. I'm so sorry. What can I say? So, <laughs> anyway. So what we need to be doing is literally, as I, and I will look for these, and I'm, I'm very discriminating because I've got some very high standards in this, and I'm welcome to hear what people have to say as we go along. But as we find these operations that are driving for super healthy food, I'll highlight them on the show. I would encourage everybody to share the ideas, share their links to, so we can drive donations to them to help them raise up funds. We'll start tonight, and I'll talk about the Felios for the next week or so, Helios Farms, and we'll start with them, help them accomplish a goal. And even if you don't, I'm not saying everybody has to give money and just like, if you know somebody that might be interested, let's share the links and share this out here so we can get many people involved to understand that we have to reset the agriculture model. It's absolutely essential. We're not going to go anywhere in this breakaway economy if we don't have food. And the thing about Helios Farms and why I'm so much behind them. They're also friends, by the way, with Mark Baker, who I had on the show last week. And I'm getting resistance chicks hooked up with Helios Farms. And resistance chicks are friends with Mark Baker. And Mark Baker and I are hooked up. So you can start to see how what's happening here. It's really pretty amazing. God's moving in amazing ways. So... The Helios Farms vision is powerful because it's all about creating a completely, it's beyond organic because I don't know if you know, but organic, you can have organic beef and they're still having to inject it. I don't know if you know that or not because organic beef just mainly means they're what they're eating, not that the fact that they're injected because they're not going to get to these feedlots or these auction places if they don't have the injections, the cattle, which means that the milk has that in it, which means that the meat has it in it. And you can start to see how this whole circle of mRNA nightmare continues. So again, head on over to Helios Farms. H-E-L-I-O-S farms.com. Just scroll down and click on the contribute model. You can see their video and they'll talk, have a little conversation about it. You can See Kira and Theo right there. And this will kind of help whatever we can do to drive traffic there would be, would be great. Share the link for their Give, Send, Go. Get that going. And we'll continue this modeling over the next year. I mean, we'll just continue to look for these places where we can boost stuff up. And some things, some people will be like, yeah, I want to get behind it. Other people will be like, I don't want to, I don't care. And that's fine. And that's, like I said, I don't, 
I don't push this. This is, but I want to elevate this so people can see it and understand the importance of this. When we talk about ancient paths and going back to go forward, we literally have to go back to the principles of food. We have to get our bodies strong. Our this temple that God gave us, we have to get it strong again. And the more that, and I'm sure everybody's like this. I mean, the more you dig into where our food comes from and what they're doing, there was a video I saw today about made me barf. And I'm serious. It's showing how the China, in China, all this meat that we get, how literally everything is being injected with some sort of juice. I have no idea what's in that juice. They're injecting chickens, they're injecting pork, they're injecting, and all of this is to supposedly provide moisture. But, oh, by the way, that same syringe is going in, is never being sanitized. It's being used over and over and over and over and over. And it's atrocious. So we need to get back to pure food. Part of that responsibility is on each of us because each of us has to take responsibility for growing some of our own food. But we're not going to be able to build out local food. Even if you go to the butcher and you have a good butcher, and we've got two good butchers in my county. And this is another thing, another dimension of this. You're still getting FDA-approved food, which means every, or, or meat. So that means that every bit of that meat, in one way or another, has been injected because that's the requirement. And by the way, mRNA doesn't apparently die when it gets put under heat. It just goes dormant until the nanotech reactivates in your body. It's pretty awful. So we're looking for models to support so we can build this up. And there's a whole other dimension. Like, here's a real, I learned this just the other day. Did you know, this is what's so amazing. So our milk right now is completely, it's almost fake anymore. Because the milk that we drink, we if you get whole milk or skim milk, it makes no difference. It's all been processed with hormones, meaning they, the cattle have been injected heavily with hormones and with with other and with their normal injections. Cattle get a 6-8 shot. So they get 14 in two different shots. They get a total of 14 different vaccines by the time they're about, they're just a few months old. 14 different vaccines. So if but here's what's interesting. The Mayo Clinic, and we know what that is today, but the Mayo Clinic began as a whole milk, raw milk, excuse me, raw milk clinic. They were curing diseases by putting people on a raw milk diet for a period of like a week or two weeks. Not, I'm not making this up. This just goes to some old research. If you can go back and read in the 1800s and early, early 1900s, there was a big push on this stuff. And this is when the cattle were being grain-fed naturally. They weren't being injected with anything. And they were putting, they would bring people in, and they would get right out of the cow raw milk, and they would have them drink it, and they would put them on a regime of like that would be three times a day, and that was it. And they were curing most ailments with raw milk, which is really incredible. Now, back to Helios Farms, they are everything, every milk that they, bit of milk they sell is raw milk, is raw milk. Their cows are all naturally fed, raised, the whole thing. So again, it's a fantastic model, right? And it's one of these 
lamps on the hill that we want to create as an example. Not every agriculture or farm model we're going to look at will be the same, but we want to have these strong beacons to lead the effort. So I just really am encouraging you, if you're inclined to, to support them as much as you can. Great couple, great farm model. And that's where I've told you, and that is also where I'm learning butchery because Kira is the butcher and she's been trained traditional butchery, which is another thing I learned. There's a meat cutter and there's a butcher. I didn't, and probably butchers won't agree with me, but that's okay. But a, the butchery that I'm learning goes from from the animal, like in the pen, all the way to the finished product package and out the door. So it's the whole process. And it's, and actually I'm learning it with all, like not, there's no power tools in the way Kira's teaching me. I'm actually using the cleaver, which is <laughs> a cleaver and a handsaw. Ugh. And knives, of course, but I'll tell you, you work your tail off. So this is really important that we continue this process because if we aren't putting farmers back on top in this nation, we're not going to win this war. It's just that simple. The reason, if you really look at a couple of the big successes of the, of the Revolutionary War, and there was three elements in the Revolutionary War in my opinion, that won the war and it wasn't the musket. That was the that was the finish, if you will. I mean, that's kind of what the what allowed us to keep the British at bay. But the real victory points, the majority of the war, let's put it that way, was won first and foremost by the pulpit. The pastors were the ones that were out there in the front talking about the tyranny, getting people aware. They were the truth tellers. And they were the ones that were activating people, bringing people to stand up and understand it was time to stand up and fight to defy the other important point was food and food was critical because it was decentralized so you had farmers that were working together that they the soldiers could go directly and the the supply supply chain logistics system was completely decentralized. So there's kind of two parts of that, right? You had the, and that's the other two. So you had the fact that there were many, many farmers and people were raising their own food and they had it available to sell or give to soldiers. It also created a resiliency in the colonies because people weren't dependent on imports, exports, or grocery stores. And the supply chain network was decentralized, so it couldn't be easily cut off. The British could burn down one farm, but they couldn't burn down a thousand. We need to get back to that model. And decentralizing this so that they can never control the food like they're doing again. And that's going to begin with each person taking responsibility for their food. Essentially building this garden using that in a broad and metaphorical sense, building the garden in our homes and then having central food sources that we can rely on that we know that the, the food that we get from them is clean. And it's, it's ironic that we use that term because it's like, you know, think about biblically the concept of clean, right? We're now at a point now where we have to start looking at our food supply in terms of that. Is it, you know, as clean food, meaning no additional goodies in there like mRNA 
And we already know that they have successfully grown lettuce to put the vaccines in them. So don't think they're not going to keep that going. This is a really important principle. The thing is that when you start looking at food this way, it's different than even than something like kosher because kosher has a lot to do with the harvest and how they kill it, which, by the way, is extremely brutal if you've ever seen it. It's, it's recklessly brutal in the industrial sense. But this has to do with source, how it was grown, how it was raised, all the way to how it's carried out all the way to your delivery. And with that, a change in the whole diet. When we talk about milk and honey, it's literally, those you can live on those two products, literally. That's a gift that God's given us. And all your health needs are in that honey, and all your health needs are in the milk as well. So, again, we're going to do, we're going to shift focus on Bart's Fest to go regional. And then we're going to start looking at these farm initiatives that need support, and we're going to, I'll focus and highlight them and encourage you all to please look them over and share those links as much as you can. And at the same time, if you can, if you feel compelled to support them, please do. But that's part of where I think that we have a a greater responsibility as we step up into really taking this fight. If you're concerned about politics this changes politics more than anything because when you start ripping the floor out of corporate agriculture and we start taking food back, you're going to start watching these people grovel because they need that. The FDA is criminal. I mean, if you imagine that we're heading into a go back to that article that I mentioned, which was Senator. Roger Marshall, he's telling us as head of agriculture, there is going to be a famine. Okay. Have we heard one person say what we need to do? I've heard one politician, and he was a local politician, speak that we needed to have victory gardens. We need to get into growing food ourselves, but nobody's doing this right now. And that's the critical thing. And this is how we start to break from them. And this is how we get our health back. And as we get our health back as a nation, you don't need drugs, you don't need any of their garbage. And we start to take responsibility for our food. We start to build out our neighborhoods. We start to have local sources of meat and eggs and milk that is super clean and good. And we're using that in our lives. And we're supporting local agriculture. We're putting agriculture back on top of the precedents, not relying on the, this is like what they call, what I came across the name today, I liked it, farm to fork, other than farm to table, farm to fork to where that's our sourcing for the key products that we can't provide for ourselves. And as we do that, we're getting rid of the entire supply chain of the big warehouses, the massive truckloads of stuff being moved around, the grocery stores that have stuff repackaged and repackaged and packaged down to small sizes so they can make a ton of money. When you start cutting all those middlemen out, you start to find that the price reduction that we're getting at the market has so much compromise in health. It's part of the reason that people get fat is because they're consuming in mass this food that's calorie empty. We need to get rid back to calorie rich and calorie strong. So that's kind of the talk tonight because I think it's an important pivot. I'm going to tomorrow night we've got resistance chicks on. The next night we've got resistance chicks on. Two two part interview. 
And we're going to talk a lot about this whole principle of food. And I'm going to really push this theme for a bit here hard. We need to. We need to drive that engine that we can to really start supporting these initiatives. You want to give to politics? That's your deal. I'm not. I, I think it's an absolute, it's a, It's like I might as well burn the dollars. If I'm going to give something to a politician, I'm, I'd have probably as about as much joy as taking a lighter to a $20 bill. When I know that I can give $20, $50, $100 to a cause that's truly making a difference in for the overall perspective on the nation because it's one little island at a time, that's the revolution. And that's where, in the colonial period, they understood that. They understood they needed to keep things local, they needed to support locally, and they needed to work together in a network. And that's essentially what we're doing with regional Bards Fest and building out this network of farms across the nation, which are also resources for everyone to learn from, which is even more important, right? So let's pray. Father, just come to you tonight, just praying for the this change that we need, just the clarity on this stepping off this path that we seem to be, that this elite keeps trying to force us into, this herding of us into their corral of, of controlled food and injections and mandatory digestion of artificial RNA to all intentional to transform us into this thing of transhumanism all with the promises of great technology offerings and et cetera, things that we know have nothing to do with anything. You created a perfect temple within us. So, Father, what we are just praying tonight, that we can have this mass awakening into the importance of getting food back to being clean and to support those initiatives that are so important, that are raising that awareness up, that are building the models that will help lead us in the future, and there are a number of them. Tonight we've spoke of Helios Farms. We ask you to keep us, keep them in our prayers, that we can raise them up to accomplish their goals that they need in the many ways, that we can truly bring attention to the need for food and at the same time support those initiatives that will become the lamps on the hill for us to look to, to learn, to lead, and to guide a nation as we move this exodus out of the control of the cabal and reset on a foundation of healthy food healthy nurturing of our body temple and building that network of fellowship that we have that we can are helping one another to raise up everyone. Thank you for all you give. Thank you for the blessings you sh- you've showered upon us. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. So I think this is, I, I think there isn't a more noble cause. My grandfather was a sheep rancher and they were very, they always had a garden, even in the, in Montana, they always had a garden because people had to. So there was very clean eating and the food that was then at that point was coming off the farm. They just, it wasn't polluted. But today, by the time it leads, and the more that I learned this, it's crazy. So the more that you learn about how these models work and the restrictions that are placed on farmers and the restrictions that are placed on ranchers, you start to understand why we can't escape this and they they think they've got us. The beauty of this model 
which will be replicated many ways in this Helios Farms model, is that it works through a private membership association. So in doing so, you're joining their PMA, and in the process of doing that, the restrictions that the federal government place upon everybody goes away legally. It's upheld by the Supreme Court. That's critical to understand. So you now can get literally farm-to-fork, well-raised, clean food without the FDA, without these other big pharma, without this other nonsense getting into polluting your meat, polluting your eggs, polluting your milk. And that's the sort of networks that we have to create. And we have to look for these models to elevate them. So let's keep fighting because... This is so important that we keep our food clean, keep our bodies strong. And that's ultimately going to be the big win here. As we continue to feed this temple with that purity, it's not just food. It's literally the connection to this world that God has given us to steward. Lots ahead. We're going to have a lot of very exciting and dynamic next six, eight months. So buckle up. All right, Patriots, have a very blessed night. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. These are times right now that we need to have a lot of prayers and focus to keep that zeroing in on what is going to win this fight. To me, as I've expressed, food is the most, focusing on food is one of the most radical acts you can possibly do. And it's truly part of the revolution to separate ourselves from the dependency on their corporate food sources, to get our independence back and sovereignty back in our food. Pray on that. I have, and I <laughs> I get the same answer every time. Do more. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God will always win. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this, fearlessly occupying the land, expand the kingdom, mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tomorrow for Bended Knee. Until then or until the next time, God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. All this time we had to prove that we could stand here too. All the nights been pushing through Fight for all we had to lose Reaching out for something To pull us up to the level ground Oh, I can see it now I can see it now See
down over the hill where the lost got found. Reaching through somehow. Oh, you're an island when the world is too loud. When the seasons change, I know the space between us will stay the same. Resting on this faith, when your soul answers calls far away. Something to find.